Captain's Log and Proper. I'm Captain Britain. And I'm Enterprisean Pat. These are the voyages of the starship USS Corey Feldman, our ongoing mission to explore new Trek episodes, to seek out old Trek, both cringe and based, and to boldly go where Jankum Pog's hog explodes! Trek, the podcast where two Trekkies ask themselves, what do you think Murph tastes like? Hmm. I'm going to guess something blueberry, but it's also, I'm going to guess it's probably something kind of chemically tasting. Yeah, yeah, because it's like indestructible. And can you really eat Murph is the question? I mean, we'll probably get into it, but they were pulling parts off of him. That's true. I mean, he does. <laughs> he, it looks like kind of some jello, you know? Yeah. yeah, I kind of feel it probably tastes really Yellow. nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, today we will be reviewing uh, the newest episode of Star Trek this week uh, Star, uh, from Star Trek Prodigy. You want to just jump right in, baby? Let's get on in it. Let's get into it. Nothing but a prodigy thing, baby. Just two dumb assholes talking crazy. Soy Trek is a podcast that pays, man. A cap, so please don't try to mace, man. It's Prodigy, motherfucker. Prodigy, season one, episode 13. It came out uh, yesterday, uh, Thursday, November 10th. 2022, uh, titled All the World's a Stage, which is a line taken from Shakespeare's As You Like It. Mm. And uh, as he liked it was in his ass. Uh, most people don't know, but uh, William Shakes prostate is what they called him down at the brothel. <laughs> there was also theories that he, that, uh, that it was actually a woman. Uh, did you just misgender her? Well, like uh, William Shakespeare wasn't real at all. It was a stage. It was a um, um, a uh, um, a uh, fake identity they used uh, to get nom their... de guerre. Nom de guerre. Nom de guerre. Nom de guerre. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. that's a that's a theory. It's a theory. Good theory. Yeah. I mean, there's most proof that William Shakespeare existed, though. <laughs> I don't believe it. Most historians think that William uh... Shakespeare was a person. <laughs> Uh, I don't maybe think so. I don't know. Have you, <laughs> let me tell you about something called uh, black Islam. Right? <laughs> you know, um, so uh, yeah, this one was written by Aaron J. Waltke, who's a staff writer who also wrote the episode Kobayashi, which was a pretty good episode. I like that. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, it's episode I think six of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was directed by Andrew L. Schmidt who worked with Waltke on uh, the show Wizards and Troll, Huntle, Troll Hunters Tales of Arcadia together. What? I didn't even hear of that show. I don't know. Is it a kid a show, kid show or something? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Okay, yeah, probably not. All right, so we open with Janeway, who is with the Diviner right after he's awoken from his coma or whatever he was in, the stasis, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, he was taking a little nap. Yeah, just a little nap. Uh, Janeway informs him that while he was delirious, he muttered the word protostar and asked him to tell her everything he can about it. Um, yeah. He's actually saying prostate. Yeah, prostate orgasm. <laughs> just stick it all the way up. And, no, that's not long enough. Use your middle finger. Oh, there you Oh, I feel it. Oh, that feels. Oh, I can feel it tingling. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm a, I was dribbling cum all I'm pre-cumming. Oh, my God. Are you, and Janeway's like, Thanks what, for listening. What's happening? <laughs> what What is happening, doctor? What is, is going on? It's like, well, you don't have a prostate, miss, so you wouldn't really understand, but uh, you ever have like a full body <laughs> orgasm? That's kind of what it's like. And Janeway's <laughs> like, I don't want to watch this, but I'm strangely compelled. <laughs> so, I don't know. I mean... We're not even sure if these aliens have prostates. Every alien has a prostate. It might know? be on their knee. Oh, yeah. It might be on their shoulder. Not everyone keeps their prostate in the same place. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, like, it's just the belly button. The, that's, the, that's the deal with, you know, because we know Ferengi are like hung like horses, right? Yeah. But they uh, their ears, that's where their prostate is. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, think about that. Damn, they must like see like Q-tips as sex devices. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, just like sex toys, like. Oh yeah, or those like ear, the water ear cleaner picks. Oh yeah. yeah. Or or like the ear, the shaver trimmer things that you can use in your nose too. Oh my god. I need to get one of those. My nose has gotten hairy in the last few years. Uh oh. You have a hairy nose. Yeah. You look like you've had a hairy nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, you just got a lot of hair in general in that area, so it wouldn't be out of place. I haven't been really doing any grooming at all. I I can I can tell. Yeah. You're not... <laughs> I could I could smell that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I wash. I just don't cut my beard or hair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You have a feral podcaster look to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see. Uh, so after um, he like dribbles pre-cum all over the med bay. Of course. Uh, the diviner says that they took the ship, not specifying who they are, although thanks for, you know, not gendering someone, misgendering them, mm. uh, and stole his daughter from him. The doctor and Janeway's and Dorian number one walk in saying how this doesn't sound like something... Chakotay would do, and the doctor chalks it up to memory loss, which he posits must be a side effect of whatever trauma he experienced. So, Janeway now shows the Diviner a pad uh, with Chakotay on it and asks if he's seen him. The Diviner remembers Chakotay being taken prisoner, but says his man... That's the man that told me I needed... (laughs) Told me I I was a bot and went... Yeah, and so so one thing that was funny is Robert Beltran like had that weird Twitter thing happen like the day before this episode released. Really? Or uh last episode released. Sorry, though mm. the one with him on it, the first episode with him in it, which I was mm. like, why is he doing this? This is only going to like cause I mean, maybe wants to cause controversy, but he's being like a dickhead. Watch them never find Chicote after this. It is like, ooh, uh he died while going home to his yeah. home planet. Yeah. <laughs> he died off screen. Yeah, he died in like the mine that uh, they fuck, took fucking Shatner and Spock to <laughs> yeah. in Star Trek V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, wait, was that five or six? That was six. Five. Six, there you go. Sorry. I always, for some reason, those movies are just so unremarkable. I just don't care about them. <laughs> um, so Janeway shows the Diviner a pad with Chakotay on it and asks if you've seen him. The Diviner remembers him being taken prisoner 
but says his mind is in pieces and he cannot remember. Cut my mind into pieces. This is my Janeway retort. <laughs> um, so he has a flashback, or actually a flash forward, to his planet dying and like mm. being in, in ruins uh, because of their civil war, because uh, one side, <clears throat> his side, wanted slavery, uh, obviously. Oof. Yep. Which is, I mean, obviously his skin's like marble white. Makes yeah. Sense. yeah. So he, uh, he has a flash forward to his planet dying and calls out, my mission, I have to save them. Uh, he then sees a flash of Janeway's comm badge, and it triggers a memory of Gwen wearing a similar comm badge. And he has a little fit and goes into post-neural shock. Uh, he yells about the intrusion, but the doctor gives him some hypospray to his neck, and he calms the fuck down. Here's a little medical-grade heroin for you. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, if I lived in the Star Trek future, like, fuck Starfleet, I would just have the coolest hyposprays and vape pens, yeah. and I would just, like, hang out on Earth getting high and fucking. Yeah. I mean, basically what I do now, except I have to work. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know. Exactly, you can just dedicate your life to, yeah. what, to what you truly love. Yeah, and so I, I basically try to work, like, the minimum amount possible to, like, you know, have a very comfortable life. Mm-hmm. But then, like, I start up this podcast and shit, and I finally, I actually have to, like, work it. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, just then the truth. Born to fuck, forced to podcast. Pretty much, yeah. Forced <laughs> to, like, just, like, start a merch company for no reason. Uh, just then the Trill Ensign comes in and tells Janeway that they found an empty escape pod from the destroyed relay station, mm. which happened uh, episode 11 here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amnesty, I think it was called, uh, whose log show it was launched by Barnus Frex, uh, who was rescued by an unidentified vessel whose warp signature they're tracking, which that I'm sure they're going to make another episode about that, which will be fun because I really like Barnus Frex. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's good. Yeah, and I like, uh, what's the alien called? Dernary? Dern- Denoblian. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Bob Dabalina. He's a Mr. Bob Dabalina. Mr. Bob Dabalina. Yeah, that's, that's all. His, that's his name from now on. Yeah, he's Mr. Bob, Bob Dobolina. Yeah. So, uh, Barnus Frex, Bob Dobolina, um, was rescued by an unidentified vessel whose warped signature they're tracking. I'm looking forward to that future episode because he's a fun character. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Janeway orders them to find the ship since she reasons that whoever stole the protostar did this to the diviner and destroyed the relay station. And the Diviner says, I said prostate, goddammit. <laughs> uh, she says it's no longer a rescue mission, but rather a manhunt. Going on a manhunt. And she's like really just like out here to be punitive. She's like, yeah, we're going to fuck some people up. Yeah. She's about to tuvix some motherfuckers. Oh, yeah, she is. She's <laughs> about to yeah, send them back to the shadow realm and the fucking <laughs> transporter zone. Hells yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see what happens. Like, uh, yeah, I'm kind of wondering... Um, What's going to happen when she meets Dahl? Like, is she going to try to kill him? <laughs> they could have kept Tuvix alive. They could have, yeah. they, they could have, because the transporter could have just, like, not beamed Tuvix out, but taken the essence and split him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But Tuvix also kind of sucked. Not as much as fucking Neelix. I would have rather have had a ship with Tuvok and Tuvix instead of a ship with Tuvok and Neelix. I think they should have accidentally transporter malfunctioned Neelix away from existence. 
because Tuvix was <laughs> the like more tolerable him, version to, to put him inside out or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Just, I mean, you know, at least hold him accountable for his crimes against Kess. Yeah, yeah. Going to turn him inside out. <sighs> yeah, upside got nothing down. but hard in a blender. <laughs> Great, really good job, dude. Nailed <laughs> it. <laughs> Can't remember how the song goes. Captain's Log, Stardate six one two nine six point nine six point nine. Nice. Nice, 6.9. Nice. You nice. hear me? There's a 69 in a children's show. Nice. Nice. 6.9. Got him. One minute. 69 for 20. What's up? You ain't blazing watching this child show. What the fuck are you doing? Blah, 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 blah. <coughs> you got a cough. You got to wonder how. <laughs> you got to wonder how many people actually, how many kids are watching the show and how many just like. Adult stoners <laughs> are uh, just watching it. How many, how many fucking Star Trek podcasters are watching? <laughs> yes. uh, we got the Nielsen ratings in. Looks like uh, 75% of our demographic is uh, podcasters in their 30s. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, <laughs> with no children. <laughs> Obviously. I said podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I always think about that. Like, I have it fired up on my TV. I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, like I, this feels it feels like I should be on a list, which I probably am. But honestly, oh, you are. Yeah, you're on my list. <laughs> Even if you're not on an official government list, mm-hmm. you're on my list. Yeah. All right. Oh and, yeah, I mean you have your people to kill list right there. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I'll just tell you, you're not next, but you're close. Okay, <laughs> you're close. So watch out. Yeah. Captain's log started six one two. Nine six point nine sixty nine nice. One minute we were full of hope to join Starfleet. Then poof, that dream is dead because our ship has a weapon that'll wipe the Federation off the galactic map. Pog's not used to the problem to a problem he can't fix. We've tried phasers, transporters. We can't get rid of it. The weapon just adapts. Thanks to Zero, we know even opening a hail to Starfleet could infect their systems. Despite the setback. We've decided as long as we have the protostar, we can still help others, which has led us to a mysterious M-class planet in need of help. Hmm. More colonialist bullshit right here. Yeah, how did they get how did they get the message that they needed help? There's a distress signal. Oh yeah, that's right. There was a distress so, signal. Yeah. We'll talk about it in just a second. Yeah. So, Zero and Dahl enter the bridge and Zero asks if there are any updates on why the distress signal was sent. Janeway says, uh, Hollow Janeway says she's in the dark and that there's a subspace distortion field interfering with her systems, but she does detect life signs. Gwyn starts to say they should beam down to help them, but Jankum Peg interjects, Pog, sorry, Jankum Pog. <laughs> I've got other things on the mind. Jankum Pegged. Jankum, uh, Jankum um, Prostate Orgasm. <laughs> Uh, but Jenkum Prostate Orgasm interjects, asking who would want to help a bunch of losers who can't even help themselves? Mm. Which is an interesting kind of like self-meditation and like an interesting, like, I don't know, meditation on the ego of Jenkum Pog, who usually has, you know, a pretty big ego, but he's like really down on himself here. Yeah, you should, you should reflect on that, Pog. You know, kind of wonder, like, you know, what are, do, are people... You know, don't people, all people deserve help, not just people you consider losers, you know, or True. consider winners. Like, don't losers also are deserving of help, if not more deserving of help? 
Yeah, right. Like, you should really just, like, you know, think about your life, man. Suffer some ego death, you know? Yeah, I mean, like, helping winners is, like, the capitalist mindset. Yeah. Like, oh, I've got to give this successful person more of my money, a non-successful person. Yeah. Like, that's dumb. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Got some things to learn about Starfleet, Mr. Pog. Hell yeah, you do. So, um, Dahl says, as long as they keep the weapon away from Starfleet, they should be fine. Then wonders where Rock is. <gasps> Rock is on 106.8. <laughs> the home of Rock. <laughs> Um, so over with Rock, not on 106.8. Uh, she's on 101.9. <laughs> DC's only rock station. The new rock, rock, rock. All right, now we got Eve Six's Inside Out coming right at you. Shut the fuck up, you little baby. <laughs> <laughs> smack, smack. It's dun, time dun. for Rock. <laughs> time to rock your prostate out, you dumb little baby. Bitch, you stupid baby, it's time to rock, you motherfucker. I'm gonna take your baby virginity. <laughs> I'm gonna throw you off a With... I'm gonna throw you off a ledge onto a group of rocks at the at the bottom of, of, of rock, a crevice. Rock, 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 <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. So over with rock, uh, she's scanning Murph, who still seems to be sick from the last episode. Yeah. She tells Murph uh, he's got to eat something and wishes she knew what was wrong. Hollow Janeway ventures that perhaps he's just under the weather and needs some rest. Gwyn, Dahl, and Jenkum Pog enter, and Gwyn suggests that Rock stay on the ship to attend to Murph while the others go down to the planet. Which I'm like, why can't Hollow Janeway? Whatever. But, <laughs> but writing, whatever. Rock agrees and thanks them, and Jankum tries to play sick, saying he has a tiny tickle in the back of his throat. But nobody's buying it, and Dahl offers to scratch the back of his throat with his big fat cock. <laughs> Which Jankum eagerly accepts as he gets down on his knees and opens up for daddy. Sorry, established that, that Jankum's the daddy. <laughs> I Writing, okay. Right. Yeah. I, can't, I can't write these jokes. <laughs> I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here. All right, man. This is a, this is a goddamn children's show, and I'm trying to make it like as terrible as possible. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, doll drags Jenkum to the transporter room, and they have rough trade gay sex, uh, and they have Janeway transport the four of them, Doll, Gwyn, Jenkum, and Zero, down to the planet's surface where they have rough trade gay sex. Oh, yeah. yeah. They arrive on a verdant planet, and Jenkum immediately says there doesn't seem to be any distress, so perhaps they should beam back up. Dahl notes that beaming down took longer than usual, and Zero says it must be interference, like in a football game. Mm. That's a good, yeah, Zero, that's a good uh, reference. Yeah, everyone <laughs> understands American football in the future. Mm -hmm. It's very popular. They, I mean, they have a lot of football episodes of Star uh, Trek and Star and Star Wars. That is interesting. Like, yeah, do they have any? They don't. Yeah, that's yeah, that's like one thing that never that never survived. I mean, baseball barely survived. Baseball barely survived. And then like yeah, in... football, like which is arguably more popular than baseball. I want to say in America. In America. Only in America. Yeah. Um. I like did not. Nothing happened. Just like fizzled out. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a stupid sport, and, like, they should ban it because of the CTE. And yeah, as, as as evidence with Herschel Walker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, I mean, that's a great, like, th- that is my new fucking argument against the NFL as an organization is, like, it produces people like Herschel Walker. Yeah, and, yeah, it's awful for your body. And, just... and fucking, um, oh, what's the guy who just, uh, the quarterback um, who just, Brett Favre, who just stole a ton of fucking welfare money. Have you heard about yeah, that? Yeah, I one? did. That one yeah. was funny. Oh, what was the other guy? Also, another dude. Was it Brett? Also, Brett Favre? Like, uh, just like sunk um, him and his wife's entire fortune into NFTs. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, God, who, uh, who, what dude was it? But yeah, him and his, um, yeah, him and his wife, like they, they just thought, like, I think it was like $620 million or some bullshit. It's amazing. Like, and, and then like uh, the NFT market just went. God. <laughs> NF- <laughs> NFTs are. You know, when I first saw them, I was, like, angry, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. But in retrospect, they're the funniest thing to, like, probably ever happen. Yeah, agreed. They're, they're like, I mean, a, a few fucking assholes got super rich, and that sucks. And it wasn't in, like, it wasn't a really, it was a lateral transfer of wealth mm-hmm. from people who were probably wealthy already uh, taking money from people who were already wealthy. Yeah. Which is fine. I'm I'm fine with them playing their little game like that. Unfortunately, what really sucks more than anything, is, like, NFT artists were the ones who, I think, ultimately got scammed. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they didn't make, you know, nearly as much money off of their creation that a fucking idiot who figured out a fucking way to put it on the blockchain did. No, thankfully, they're they're all basically worthless. They are, which is fucking hilarious to me. I mean, they already were worthless. Like, the idea that they were worth any money to begin with is But now now everyone agrees they're worthless. Yeah. (laughs) Before, like, you know, reasonable people like us were like, that is literally, you're buying a link to something that's worthless. Yeah, even if I had enough money to buy one of them, it would not even not even cross is, my mind. An NFT, <laughs> an NFT is the last thing I would ever buy because it not only seems like a dumb investment, but it's ugly and a piece of shit. It's like it's awful. Why wouldn't you buy an actual physical piece of art for the exact same amount of money? Because for that kind of money, you can get art from a notable artist that will only appreciate in value because they're not yeah. making more of them. You can buy a fucking Andy Warhol sketch for a thousand bucks. Oh yeah, it's like it's not a big deal, but it will appreciate in value. You know, yeah, that's what I think killed it the most is this like the idea that it was like in limited supply, but it was endlessly, re- endlessly uh, replicated. Yeah, and that's and, and that's the thing like about scalability is like scalability is fine if you actually have something that's unique and only you can provide. Yeah, you know, and you have like some sort of like intellectual property market on, but that NFTs are just like. There is no intellectual property there because mm-hmm. you are buying not even the artwork. A link. <laughs> You're buying a link to the artwork. That can't even really be traded because, like, I feel like the whole thing was it, it can be, like, a, a form of currency. Mm-hmm. But how would you use it? Like, I don't understand. Like, I mean, I don't think even the people that had it understand because there was, like, this whole rush well, that's, to, that's like, find, like, a practical use and for it. Like, you know, like, you know, Seth Green making the TV show starring his... Uh, monkey right <laughs> so that was like, that 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 just like uh God, I, almost, I, I like liked seth green until he did that yeah yeah and and i know it's like it was very embarrassing super like god imagine doing that and then like he got yeah didn't he get it stolen which is super mm-hmm. funny and you know what's actually funny is today i was uh, like at, like uh nft ads 
almost mm-hmm. practically disappeared off of Twitter for me. Excellent. And today I started getting NFT ads again. Interesting. <laughs> it was just like, we're doing this again. Like, mm-hmm. does are people do people have gold? Do they think people have goldfish brains or something? Like, <laughs> are we still are we still in the sale yeah, of these? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was pretty interesting. <laughs> so um, after Doll notes that beaming uh, down to the planet took longer than usual, Zero says it must be the interference as they can't get a good reading. But they're still picking up two faint biosignatures just ahead. Suddenly, they part some grass, and there's two guys there, and one of them shoot Jankum with a phaser, and he falls back stunned. (laughs) Uh, Dahl yells that they come in peace, and we see two men in what appears to be crudely constructed green Starfleet uniforms. One of them tells the other with a phaser, uh, who he calls Sulu, to stand down and identifies the landing party as Starflight Landing Party, uh, who have just arrived. The man identifies himself as James T. and introduces Sulu. Mm-hmm. The landing party is confused and huddles up uh, to talk to Hollow Janeway, who Dahl says he thought they were supposed to stay away from Starfleet. Hollow Janeway says that it's impossible that they are Starfleet, because while Kirk and Sulu are Starfleet legends, no Starfleet vessel has been anywhere near this sector for at least a century, which is a weird thing to like never go back to a sector for a century yeah especially it's got to be pretty close if the original star you know the original enterprise were mm-hmm. was there yeah and it's also yeah um what i thought is interesting mm-hmm. oh crap sorry i lost my train of thought <laughs> yeah you real there i <laughs> got a little got a little do uh to, to be fair you you kind of have like a more um american train of thought not like a chinese uh you know high speed rail <laughs> you've got like a shitty amtrak that joe biden takes kind it's of train. true yeah. like it just went like... uh, <laughs> it's all good it's all good so holly janeway says it's impossible while kirk and Star- sulu were starfleet legends no starfleet vessel has been here for a century oh that's what uh, yes. yeah like um like oh that's weird like they have the same names as the people who existed 100 years ago how how do we explain this? Yeah, it's like very transparent, but this is to me obviously a an attempt at writing a very tight episode that not only tells a story but helps to explain to a younger audience uh the Star Trek universe. Yeah. And I think in that if that's what they were aiming for, it is incredibly effective. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was a good episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, I was jumping ahead. Yeah, what the fuck? Damn it. Um So, in addition to that, there's no Starfleet record of first contact with this planet, making them decidedly not Starfleet. Which is odd. Like, they, that, well, I mean, I guess it makes sense, you know, as we saw with, like, uh, with a Khan, um, Kirk is very, very bad. Yes. At uh, either, you know, reporting his movements or making any sort of, like, uh, logs of any kind to, (laughs) and just being just, like, generally, like, uh, forgetful and incompetent. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I mean, we've we've talked about it uh, quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Like, like Kirk. I mean, Kirk is pretty competent. Uh, I don't know, kind of competent in TOS, but in the movies, he's a fucking idiot. Yeah, he's like, a moron. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, that's for another day, though. So yes. James T tells Dahl that uh, they have answered the call. Gwyn says they mean the distress call. And they refer to it as the call of Ensan. The call of Cthulhu. uh, 
that I mean, I would love for them to get into some HP Lovecraftian shit in here. Yeah, we never never really encounter like uh Lovecraftian horrors at the edge of space. Which is interesting because it could be really great. Like, I mean, did you see like color out of space? Yeah. They could do something like that easy. Oh yeah, that cool was a good that was a good cage movie. Yeah. Uh, we we love <laughs> love a good cage. I mean it was a good like Lovecraftian horror type mm-hmm. movie. Like, yeah. You know, very eldritch horror type kind of thing, which yeah. is really I love that kind of thing. I, I've been recently watching a lot of those, like The Endless, and I watched Dagon the other day. Dagon's too. good, yeah. Dagon rocks, yeah. It's, I yeah. mean, it's it's a little weird. It's not that guy's best film, because mm-hmm. uh, he did uh, a couple other really good, like, Lovecraftian ones. Yeah, at The Mouth of Madness is good, too. It's pretty good. Yeah, same Neil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Sulu says they must inform Starflight Command, and James T. pulls out an old communicator and pages them, Telling them the Federation has arrived, and so I'm I'm not like intentionally obscuring these names. Like they all have names that are slightly different than things. Like uh, Sulu is Sul U. Uh, James T. Kirk is just James T. Now the Federation is Federation. Um, yeah, and then Sulu tells them to live logs and proper. Excellent. Yep. Yeah, I mean, their like their culture seems to be so, so kind of like maybe like Iron Age. Yeah, probably want to say mm-hmm. like because um, obviously they they they're able to construct buildings and stuff and and tools and so they seem like like pretty competent out of like the Stone Age, but yeah, they still seem pretty uh like they like when they probably landed there, they're probably like just now discovering or probably didn't even discover like uh tools or anything. Yeah, but I mean like they have like the spaceship and so like they've they've appropriated those tools. So in a way they like just like completely surpass the Iron Age because they have things yeah. like phasers now that can do That's like, true. Uh they can do molecular disruption, which is like I mean you can smelt anything you want with that. Yeah. So like they went far beyond all metallurgical ages because of the technology given mm. to them. And we see they have, like, advanced medical technology for the most part as well, too. Yeah, they do. So um, they make their way to a cliff, and James T. welcomes the team to the new Enterprise as he reveals a crashed ship on the planet's surface, apparently now used for shelter. Uh, they go down to the ship, and they enter, and there's an entire thriving city built within the hole. Everybody there is very excited, saying the prophecy has come true, and telling the team to live logs and proper, while giving them a bastardized hand signal that's very difficult to make. It's like sticking your middle and uh, ring finger together, and then having your other fingers all separate, which is like, I mean, I can do it, it's just like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's a lot more difficult than the other one. Yeah, it is. Like, yeah. There we go. Oh, look at that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I mean, that difficult. It's just like doesn't yeah. feel intuitive. I mean, my uh, my pinky finger looks like it's about to snap off. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, you fuck around. I will be. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, um, man. so down on the ship they enter, and there's an entire uh, city there. Uh, People are telling them to live logs and proper. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll give them the hand signal. Gwyn wonders if this place is for real and says they're playing make-believe. 
But uh, Zero senses no deception within the people as they truly believe themselves to be Starfleet, or as they say, Starflight. Suddenly, a man approaches James T. and asks if they found their missing comrade. And James T. says, no, Dr. Boons. Uh, Boons. Mr. Mr. Coombs. Boons McCoon. But look and show them the landing party, saying Starflight had come to aid them. Uh, James T. said they answered the call and that they had preserved word for word, just as their forefathers did, and says they must play the logs and orders everybody to the bridge. On the bridge, we get a play, and it is like full Broadway, baby. Full on Broadway. A bunch of uh, depressed queers on stage singing as loud as possible for the rest of the episode. Hmm. I like Broadway, that. baby. Well, then go to Broadway. <laughs> You'll like that. So, Captain's Log. Oh, how do you, you know how to get to Broadway? Sucking dick. Practice. Practice at sucking dick? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> so, uh, in the play, we get a Captain's Log many moons ago. A great ship flew through the cosmos, bearing heroes of legend among them. James T., the warrior for whom I was named, and Sprock, well known for his words so wise. And then the Sprock says, most illogical. But then they found our world. And uh, I got to say, like, all of the voice actors they got to do these parts mm-hmm. sounded incredibly like the people. Like, the mm-hmm. fucking, uh, the Kirk guy did a great, like, hammy Kirk impression. He did. Um, the fucking Sulu guy sounds exactly like uh fucking George Takei. It's yeah. crazy. And that's the guy who did the voice of uh Bob Dabalina. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Boons was played by Shax. Yeah, and he yeah, he had a, he had a great voice. He sounds a lot like uh when he tries to do a Bones voice. He mm-hmm. a yeah, he sounded good. Yeah, very good. Uh so great job um Fred, Fred Tadiscore. T- yeah. Is that an Italian last name? God, I hope not. Tadiscore. I'd uh, I'd lose so much respect if he was Italian, <laughs> or or had Italian heritage. I know. I mean, I'm ten uh, percent Italian, and yeah, like... I mean, you're 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 ten percent a piece of shit. I mean, yeah. a lot more than that. <laughs> a lot more I than mean, that. At least ten percent at all times. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so suddenly, a Scotty stand-in comes out on stage and says, uh, "There are people below us who need us, Captain. We cannot intervene." Oh, I'm doing Chekhov now, shit. No, <laughs> Damn no it. it was kind of both. Um, yeah. He said uh, they would need a hero. Strangely, there was no Chekhov. That's true. Um, they would need a hero, a miracle worker. Was that the only character they didn't have? I think that was. Yeah, because like there was a hero. Uh-huh. Uh, there was. What do they got against Chekhov, man? Yeah, there's. Oh, I guess there was no chapel if you count chapel, but who counts chapel? Yeah, he was the only one. That sounds wrong, right? Yeah, poor Chekhov. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's still alive, too. He's probably watching this shit being like, why am I not in here? What the fuck? Why is there nobody named Chekhov? Uh, everyone loves the Chekhov. <laughs> so uh, suddenly James T. approaches from behind oh, with his big fat cock, saying, 
Get ready. Grease up that hole, baby. I'm about to go in <laughs> raw if you don't. <laughs> so he approaches from behind wearing a red shirt, uh, red with blood. It was a white shirt, but he mm. fucked so much ass raw that he got it all red and brown. Damn, that sucks. Yeah. Took, took that white shirt straight to brown town, refuses to wash it. <laughs> Says it's a badge of honor. Yeah. Um. So he uh, comes from behind wearing a red shirt. Saying he is Ensign of Starflight Enterprise, bearer of crimson, bravest among us. Oh. I will go save them. Which I thought was an awesome way to, or I mean, it would have been almost cooler for him to see like bearer of the red shirt, bravest among us, to like mm-hmm. really like make it accessible to kids. Because like this is definitely a thing I like as a fan of Star Trek. Um, but like I get the coding they're putting in here. Hmm. Which I don't think kids will. No. Yeah, they're they're like like they'll have to have a, a parent there with them to be like bearer of crimson. So crimson means red, right? And mm-hmm. the red shirt, and like they'll have to explain it to their kid, and they'll be like, "What is that? Oh, what the fuck?" That's a good way to kids learn words. I guess. Yeah. With their parents. With their parents. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. I am positive, like the most 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 viewers of this show are adults. <laughs> I would say probably the plurality. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, do kids even watch like cartoons anymore? Who knows? Yeah. I feel like kids just like watch YouTube. Yeah. I feel like, or play games on the fucking iPad or something. Yeah. Like, like all just, yeah. Like all the shows have now moved to YouTube into easily digestible, like little things like little nuggets. Yeah. Who's like sitting down watching a regular ass TV. <laughs> I am. Yeah. I mean, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to jerk off any other way, though. So. That's true. What are you going to do, right? What are you going to do? Sulu says that Enson fell from the stars, bringing gifts of knowledge and wonder with him. He offered a way of peace, a way of starflight, but he also offered a warning. He says a great evil followed him there. Do not enter the woods where it lurks, or your land will be cursed by the gallows. Damn. Everybody's very scared of this. Yeah. Sul-U continues, saying a few foolish warriors doubted Ensign's warning and went to face the gallows, but no one ever returned. He says a sickness came to their village, proof that they should have listened. Ensign spent his final months there, teaching the people what he could, so they might save themselves. And with his dying breath, he said, Starflight will come and rid us of the evil. Then he dies. Dahl begins to walk away, and Gwen asks where he's going, saying that their distress signal clearly means they need help. Dahl asks if they really do, since it's clear that an ensign landed on the planet a hundred years ago, and they were not ready for first contact. No, no, they weren't. It begs the question why he was abandoned. Like, Kirk, that just shows that like, Kirk... It was, does beg a question. Like, how, like, did Kirk just assume, oh... He's, He's dead. dead. Yeah. yeah, like, all right. Whoop. <laughs> like, yeah, like, oh, well, his transport's crashed on that planet. Better uh, leave. Yeah, well, yeah, better well, not to investigate any further. Although, I mean, so obviously his thing crashed, right? And the plasma caused, like, the, the radiation and stuff. But this is a couple hundred years in the future, and we uh, assume their technology is vastly superior now. So maybe they couldn't get to the planet. Well... No, because they could have gotten another transporter to the planet, right? 
Yeah. And even still, like they would right. see, like, yeah, this being bad, bad thing for this for this culture, because I'm sure they're like, mm-hmm. right. Life forms are there, Captain. So, yeah, you're right. This episode does make Kirk look like a fucking idiot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like, mean, most things do. Grossly incompetent. Grossly. Like, yeah, just like taking a big old poo-poo on that prime directive there. Mm-hmm. Big old poopy poo-poo-poo. <laughs> big old Shatner. Yeah. Shat- Shatner in the bed. Yeah, why not? You know, we left him there with like uh, with a bunch of uh, Enterprise technology. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, right. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Stupid. You're so stupid. Doll walks. Doll begins to... Oh, no. Um, So, suddenly a young woman who they address as Cadet Hura opens uh, the door to the ship city, and she murmurs, The gallows. Before falling down as everybody gasps. She says... She's going to take her to the gallows! Iron yes. Maiden. Oh, okay. I thought that was just like an outburst. Oh, no. Okay. Cry for help? No? Okay. So uh, she says she saw it, and Zero says this is not part of the play. In a med bay, Cadet Hura says she saw the gallows, and it had two glowing eyes, roaring smoke, breathing fire and death. It was metal as fuck. Metal as fuck. Uh, Jenkum says he's heard enough and tries to head back to the ship, but Gwen stops him. Jenkum's a coward. Yeah. Why is Jenkum such a coward? He has has a good sense of self-preservation. Or maybe just a tiny penis. Yeah, it could. I mean, uh, but I mean, I think also it just shows he is, he's mindful of his uh, mortality. That's not a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a bad thing. At least, you know, when you're at a children's show. Yeah, I mean he's yeah, I mean he is being in this he is being more cowardly than usual. Like, he is. Like he's Yeah, he's just like, nope, not for me. Like he should probably should just stuck stayed behind at yeah. that point. So Gwen stops him. Zero asks what's afflicting the girl, and uh James T says it's the gallows, a curse that poisons their land. Like a Russian. Mm. Like a Russian bot on Twitter. Maybe that's why they didn't include Chekhov. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he was he, like, uh, they, their Chekhov was spreading Russian disinformation. Yeah. Do you think? Do you think? <laughs> do you think uh, Chekhov is like pro Ukraine or pro Russia? In real life, or or his character? Uh, the the version of Chekhov you think about when you jerk off. <laughs> I assume, I mean, if he were to come to now or in the future, because then, like, you know, in the future they have, like, world peace. I mean, would you even jerk off if we had world peace? (laughs) What's the point, right? That's true. Like, (laughs) I I don't know why. I only jerk off to thoughts of war. Oh, of course. Yeah. As one does. Yeah. (laughs) The Battle of the Bulge. I think about the bulge. About the <laughs> husband's bulge. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, so Dahl says that curses aren't real. But Jankum says the physical disease looks real to him, just as Dahl notices a black patch on his skin. He's been infected by the gallows. Zero scans him, but with all the interference, she can't determine a cause. Zero says they could synthesize a cure... 
but not without knowing the illness they're curing. They say they must go to the source and find the gallows. Great idea. Let's find the, the fucking genesis of disease. Yeah. It's going to be safe. I mean, Zero, it's fine, because Zero is in a fucking metal shell. Yeah, that, that is interesting. Zero is not the one that went. Zero, zero goes. No, but I mean, like, to the gallows. No, Zero joins them to the gallows. Doesn't Doesn't Zero? No, Zero stays with uh, with uh, Doll. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Zero's, like, the only one there that really gets the medical technology they have, it seems. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, Zero's kind of like... Um, I don't know. Zero seems to do both ops and kind of their ship's doctor. Yeah, they role. don't really have like their jobs aren't very defined, except for Dolls, who's obviously the captain. Captain, uh, and then I mean, obviously and Gwen's like security. Gwen's yeah, kind or of commander. Yeah, security slash commander, and then uh, both um, Rock and Jenkum are obviously engineers. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, but then yeah, I mean, so so Zero is just kind of doing double duty, I think. On both. well, I think Rock is also like the science officer. There's no such thing as science officer now. Mm. Science officer hasn't been around since like the 23rd mm. century. So they they made that ops. Remember that's mm. why. Uh, yeah, um, at least on Voyager and uh, TN and uh, Enterprise, they yeah, don't have true. a science station at all. Mm. Though uh, Jadzia was the science officer. It's true, but uh, you know. That was on DS9, which mm. I guess they had a need for science shit there because yeah, the Jorah and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm gonna guess for Zero is medical. Zero is kind of, I mean, they don't have official titles here, yeah. especially since they're, you know, they, they've never been trained by Starfleet. So. Mm-hmm. Just winging it. Yeah, yeah. Well, winging it and singing it, baby. <laughs> so, um,. Back on the ship, Rock is attending to Murph and still can't figure out what's wrong. Suddenly, Gwen pages Rock and Holly Janeway, saying they have a dire situation and Rock needs to bring down EV suits and medical supplies. Rock says she's on her way and tells Holly Janeway to take good care of Murph. Fine. Down on the planet, Rock, Gwen, and Jankum exit the ship um, city in EV suits. Rock says there must be a scientific explanation as they venture into the dark woods. Back with Hura, Dr. Boones is asking why she didn't heed Ensign's warnings. She says she believes in Starflight, and Ensign told the people to bravely explore and help the helpless. Boones says she made Starflight proud. Hmm. Which is, I mean, just apologizing for her making a Dumb, dumb idiot mistake. Yeah, you dumb, dumb. Yeah. You got the disease and brought it back, you dumb idiot. Yeah, the thing we've been avoiding for years. Yeah, didn't you listen to us? It's in all of our legends, you dumb fuck. <laughs> so over with Zero, uh, Dahl asks if they've ever synthesized an antidote before. They say they haven't, but they've skimmed the manual, which makes Dahl nervous, understandably. But Zero assures him they're doing everything within their power. Dahl asks why they're even there and ruminates that they're just as big of fakers as the people on this planet. Suddenly, Dr. Boone's put, um, uh, I don't know, why did I write this? Uh, this is confusing. Suddenly, Dr. Boone's put a butt on Dahl that immediately relieved, oh, 
Oh, puts a bug on doll that immediately relieves his symptoms. Sorry, that took forever <laughs> to figure out why. What does butt mean? I like that you wrote, put a butt on him. Put a butt. <laughs> B-U-T. Just B-U-T. Uh, so suddenly, Dr. Boons puts a bug on doll that immediately relieves his symptoms. He calls it a wood leech, saying that when the sickness began, they found their secretions reduced the an- angiodemic immune response. Boons commiserates that they must think their civilization to be woefully unequipped, but says that Ensan told their people of the prime directive, how they weren't ready for the technology or ideas of starflight, but also says that you don't need a ship to believe in what it stands for, and it shows the image of a tattered red starfleet uniform. Mm-hmm. He then asked, and his phaser was in there too. Yeah. He then asked Dahl if he believes in the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ <laughs> of Latter-day Saints. And, That's uh, another thing Insan told us, taught us. Yeah, so from the rest of this episode, it's basically a treatise on uh, the difference between Eastern Orthodox Christianity and Mormonism for some reason. So hmm. apparently uh, Eastern, Eastern Orthodox Christianity is the religion that wins out in the future of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's the best religion, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's like Catholicism, but like the beards are even weirder. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like Catholicism, but with weird beards, right? Yeah, uh, and like really weird old hairy dudes who like you know, and they're not they're not all wearing white. They've got like this fucking they got all green, and they look like you remember like the Don Magic Wand, that dude who was famous just for being a pimp. Like, if he created Christianity, it would look a lot like Eastern Orthodox Christianity, I think. Hmm. Or maybe Russian Orthodox Christianity. Hmm. Yeah. You remember when you could be famous for, like, being an actual pimp? Like Don Yeah, I mean, that kind of died out. That was, like, uh, probably, like, end of, ni- end of uh, the 90s, early yeah. 2000s. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like uh, back when Pimp My Ride was, like, an acceptable thing. Mm-hmm. And what was the name of the uh, wrestler? Was it uh, Smoke Up a Fatty for This Pimp Daddy? Oh, uh, the Godfather. The Godfather, yeah, mm. yeah. He was, he was, he was, he was a good wrestler. Mm-hmm. And he had his hose. Yeah, which is like amazing. It's, it's, oh, it's a stable hose. It's amazing they got away with that. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, we love that. So, <laughs> uh, out with the landing party, Rock notices the trees are dying around them, and whatever's poisoning the land must be close. And guess what's poisoning the land? It's the Book of Mormon. It's the Book of Mormon. Get that out of here. Get it out of here! Suddenly there's a low growl. Not the musical, though. The musical, I like the musical. Well, the musical is pretty good. I mean, you know, that's that's the thing is, like, I feel like, I mean, South Park's okay, but maybe, like, Matt Stone and um, uh, uh, Trey Trey Parker Parker should just, like, you know, retire from making that show and, like, do cool stuff like musicals. Hmm. Because they're, like, better. I think only now they're making, like, the occasional special. That's fine. Yeah. But yeah, musicals, I like them. Mm-hmm. So suddenly there's a low growl and the ground begins to shake. The planet is farting. <laughs> it's releasing itself. You know, it's having a little self-release. Yeah. I mean, a, a fart type, not not a cum type. Oh, okay. I mean, you can have both. Yeah. I mean, some people have both. Yeah. But if you're going to have both. Some can't have one without the other. That's true. If you're going <laughs> to have both, wear a diaper. Mm-hmm. Never know what's going to come out. Uh, yes, you do. That's why you wear a diaper. <laughs> you do know exactly what's going to come out. Both ends, baby. Uh, brown and white delight. You know what I'm saying? 
a chocolate vanilla swirl. <laughs> Tell McDonald's the ice cream machine ain't broken no more. Soft serve all up in this bitch. <laughs> no, it's it's hard serve now, baby. <laughs> it's hard serve. Um, so uh, they part some bushes and see a cave with a mysterious turquoise light emanating from it. Gwen says she's learned to never fear the truth, which is an interesting thing to say. Am I? I wonder if this is my color blindness, but I saw it as green. Yeah, you're colorblind. Uh, suddenly, clouds <laughs> of it's the turquoise is bluish green, but I saw it as just green. Yeah, well, you know, you uh, you watched it on a black and white TV too. So. Uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Something's really going on with my eyes. Yeah, right. So Gwyn says she's learned to never fear the truth. Suddenly clouds of gas explode throughout the cave and throughout this room. What are you doing? What did you eat? I didn't do nothing. I'm kidding. It doesn't smell like farts. I don't really have a sense of smell, so even if you were breaking tons of farts, I probably couldn't smell. Well, guess what? I have been. (laughs) Get out. (laughs) (laughs) I've been eating nothing but sauerkraut for an entire week. I've been boofing sauerkraut. (laughs) I've been boofing sauerkraut. Boofing the kimchi. It's good for it's good for your intestinal health. Like if you if you boof with it. Yeah, it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's uh I mean having like you know, having like uh fucking cabbage drip out your asshole (laughs) consistently throughout the workday. Not so great when you have a real physical job, but you know, it's the price you pay to stay regular. It's what you got to do. Do what you got to do. Have you ever sounded with um with your sauerkraut? Like try to stick it up your pee hole? No. Why not? Because that would be awful. It would sting. <laughs> You're not a Seattle sounder. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? Oh, that's why they're called that. I didn't know Seattle sounding was so popular. In yeah, Seattle. it's all. It's a whole uh, whole soccer team that all sticks like uh, fucking forks and chopsticks up their dick holes. You know, I worked with a guy who. Um, Worked at a bathhouse in D.C. Mm-hmm. And he said, like, one guy would come in with his sounding kit. Oh, he would come in all right. <laughs> and, and, like, uh, and uh, and he asked to see his sounding kit. And then, like, it was, like, you know, multiple, like, uh, the it went really huge. And he was just like, well, can I see it? The guy whips his dick out. And, his the whole, and, like, he was able to gauge his dick hole so wide that he was able to stick his thumb in with room. Back to the Star Trek children's show. (laughs) Suddenly, clouds of gas explode throughout the cave, and the team begins to fall downhill. There are two two red lights facing them, and Jenkum screams that it's the gallows. Take him to the gallows. Gwyn shines a light on it and says, not gallows, Galileo. As her flashlight reveals the USS Galileo, a downed transport from the USS Enterprise. Mm -hmm. Like another thing here, like fucking like Kirk comes back from, you know, the five year mission and they're like, hey, the um, this transport, the USS Galileo, the ship that, you know, not on the manifest we we own. What? Yeah. What happened? Oh, um, 
Like, some why did no one go looking or anything? Yeah, like and 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 as we're you know, as we're seeing, like there is a lot of danger that comes with le- just leaving that behind mm-hmm. in a damaged state, right? Like, especially to a pre-warp planet. Yes, it, it breaks the prime directive. It puts a, a, an entire civilization in danger. Yeah, he could have literally wiped out this entire um, species before they even so were able to do anything. Oddly enough, the main villain in this episode of Star Trek Prodigy, mm-hmm. Captain James T. Kirk. Again, this dude Again. this dude is still killing it in the I villain mean, game. Yeah, he just like his villain his villainy echoes throughout history. That's how <laughs> villainous he is. Like it's amazing. And that's why I do like, I mean, that, I think that's why like, you know, um I like DS9 so much is because it's a series that shows like the consequences of of long term, you know, uh, influenced by by generation, like when what they do and mm-hmm. and how their politics affect other people and right and uh, and this shows like you know how you know the you know the act you know TOS like the you know, they would just go from planet to planet and you wouldn't see that planet again right and this shows like oh yeah there's lasting la- effects. lasting effects mm-hmm. and lasting consequences to just you know not you know visiting the place and then just like you know not doing the boy scout rule of leaving it better than what you found it right right <laughs> so instead yeah. it's like because it explores like the idea of occupations yeah like not just the cardassian occupation which is a very important event but mm-hmm. also you know we get into the maquis and like you mm-hmm. know cardassians like bullying them around and like mm-hmm. their whole political stuff and like i love ds9 because it is so you know politically intense and it shows it's it's the one Star Trek where, um, you know, like the guy you want to root for the most is like clearly also sometimes a villain. Yeah, like Cisco. I love Cisco, mm-hmm. but I mean, you know, the shit he did with the Maquis is villainous as fuck. Like oh, all yeah. of it. Yeah. Like even even in response to like the Eddington shit, like making that planet unlivable just out of like spite. Yeah. What the fuck, dude? Damn. That's people's home. Yeah. Like, dude. It, what if someone did that to Earth? <laughs> like, but, oh, no, well, Earth is more important. Well, yeah. okay, well, that mm-hmm. shows exactly how you feel about everything, that mm-hmm. guy. And this, like, just show, this yeah. and Kirk, meanwhile, is just being incredibly careless. Like, it's not nothing that he... Yeah, no, he's just negligent and stupid. <laughs> That's ne- the thing, yeah. it's like, he, Kirk is definitely the dumbest captain. Yeah. He's definitely, besides, I haven't watched all of Discovery yet, and... At some point, Picard becomes the dumbest captain. Yeah, I mean, you can chalk that up to age. Like, oh yeah, he becomes the the feeblest, most demented captain. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Like, you know, it's kind of funny that you know, you know, speaking of the election, you know, like Chuck Grassley, like an eighty nine year old man, is and was reelected to a six year position. One of my favorite things <laughs> ever was on Twitter. Someone pointed out that Chuck Grassley was born before chocolate chip cookies were invented. <laughs> That's wild. That's absolutely wild. The man's older than fucking cookies. Yeah. And he holds office. I don't I don't trust anyone older than cookies. <laughs> no. Cookies are long enough have been around long enough in the cultural consciousness to where like if you were born before cookies, you were like too old for society. Yeah. And this meanwhile, this man has the lever of as a lever of power. 
And, uh, and I'll show him my Libra power. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And That's so, my penis. I'm going to show Chuck Grassley my big old ding dong. Show it. I'm going to whip out my dick in front of that 89-year-old say, hey, you want to take 20 off? Be a 69-year-old, you dumb old <laughs> bitch. Yeah, and clearly, Smack him right in clearly his prostate. we recognize this man as, as, as enough cognitive decline where he shouldn't be in this position. And mm-hmm. The and only I, position he should be in is fucking doggy style <laughs> on my bed while I'm <laughs> railing his prostate. Oh, yeah. Making him come like he never has in fucking nine decades. And I kind of have the same, and, and I uh, canonically, like, uh, Picard's the same age as Chuck Grossley. Pro- Jack, pro- older, I think. Older, older. He's, and, like, over 100, I think. Yeah, and so, now. like, he should not be having his adventures and making uh, decisions where other people's lives stay in the balance. He, no, he should also be on my bed getting railed. <laughs> maybe uh, maybe have a lemon party type situation going on. With oh, him. hell yeah. Uh, I'm going to bring in a lot more citrus than that, baby. I'm going to have a whole uh, fucking... Um, cornucopia of citrus up on my bed old man orgy wrinkly and smells like diapers (laughs) so that's but that's why i was saying like uh um picard and and uh and his own show should not be on the same level compared to kirk's incompetence kirk was like a Mm -hmm. acting captain and admiral i think i like about old men the most is their uh their anal leakage and bed sores make for uh, its own lube, you know. So, what about this episode? What happens next? So, so back to the uh, Star Trek children <laughs> show. Rock says they can't get a rating because there's too much interference. Uh, the exact kind of interference uh, that you get from a broken warp engine that's leaking plasma. Yeah. You know a thing or two about that because you have a broken testicle that leaks cum all the time, right? Or I do. pre-cum. Yes. Or, you know, I guess at this point it's all post-cum. Yeah, it's, it's like I have to just constantly be changing my underwear. And it's, 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 it's a thing that I've learned to live with. Yeah. And. I mean, have you, have you ever considered, um, you know, like, uh, um, what do you call it? Like, like uh, gutter systems on, uh, you know, houses and stuff like that. Like cum gutters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Have you ever considered <laughs> a pre-cum gutter to just, like, mm. you know, just kind of route it down your leg? Like, maybe get a big old, like, bendy... Or like, I just have a catheter that that then, like, that it just drains into. Or, and I, I mean, just... you're into sounding, so, I mean, just go to Burger King and get, like, 20 straws and, like, stick them into one another. Mm-hmm. And then just stick it in your dick hole and just, like, let it run out. I mean, that's the state of that's the state of healthcare in America where I had to make my own cum catheter. <laughs> and, and so... And yeah, it bursts all the time. It gets everywhere. Like I'm constantly just having to carry duct tape with me just like this, to repair the leaks. You know, this is why I, I voted and primaried for Bernie is, uh, you know, for your cum catheter rights. Yeah. You know, Pat's cum catheter rights, they're human rights. That's what I like, say. Like I've been to doctors. They've said, oh, this is actually a thing that you've invented. This is, a, this is not actually a real problem. <laughs> you are doing this on the, on your, with your own free will. Like you do not have a real medical issue. This and is a you figment need to, of your imagination. This is a figment of your imagination. You're just a grown man in a diaper, and you, I'm, I'm your psychologist. <laughs> with, a bun- with a bunch of straws stuck up your dick hole. And you need Sir, to... Sir, I'm a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> you're, do- you're doing uh, irreparable damage to your, to your re- reproductive system, and you need to stop. <laughs> I am begging you. I am on my knees begging you to stop doing this. And I'm just like, whatever, American healthcare. <laughs> <laughs> well... 
I've only got dental insurance, <laughs> so yeah. this is what you get. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, seems like a waste to go to all that medical school and then just like only focus on the teeth. Like, come on, man. You can't yeah, look right. at, you can't look at my balls for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> just like, you know, you know enough about like first aid to like, you know, at least take a lick. Yeah. Just do a taste test. See yeah. if it's, see if it's, it's... Does it taste too salty? That's all I'm asking. <laughs> Cause I, tell... I know what it means when I taste too salty. Just please validate my need for this cum catheter, please. <laughs> <laughs> Not enough pineapple in your diet. Uh, so the ship leaks a drop of plasma that falls to the water below and reacts in a huge explosion, uh, which knocks the Galileo closer to the edge of a cliff. Kind of like when my pre-cum runs all over the floor of the uh, YMCA basketball court and, you know, affects the game and <laughs> makes makes people slip and slide that's all why, over. That's why you're not allowed to do the pickup basketball games at the Y anymore. No, not at all. <laughs> it's just like, oh, here comes cum guy. Uh, yeah, I was like, I thought, I thought you liked cum at the YMCA. I've listened to the fucking Village People song. <laughs> They're like, no, no, it's not like that anymore. <laughs> um, so Rock notices that the cave is full of dilithium crystals. Uh, which must be chain-reacting with the shuttle plasma to poison the land. Mm. Gwyn tries to contact Zero, but there's too much subspatial interference because of the plasma, but she says they have to get through so they can tell them what's poisoning the land so an antidote can be made. Uh, yeah, you know how I know that like Kirk really fucked up on here? Mm. Is because this this is like a place that is full of dilithium that like fucking the Federation would have loved to have because it's mm -hmm. the dilithium is basically one of the only like resource materials that they can't replicate that they can't replicate and that they always need for everything mm -hmm. um, because I mean it's it's basically the only thing up until a point that they actually can do uh, matter antimatter reactions with yeah now that changes at some point and it you know, as far back as discovery with the mushroom reactor. Well, and then uh, that actually brings up a point where it's like, according to discovery, like 900 years in the future, like all the dilithium explodes. So, so this, this planet probably exploded and killed everyone on it. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is awesome. Um, now I have a big problem with that because there's so many places in Canon where they have different types of warp drives that do not require dilithium. Yeah. They have a singularity drive. Uh, the Romulans have their Warbird drive mm -hmm. that, that works off of kind of a singularity, too. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they have a transwarp drive on the USS Excels Excelsior. Uh, the the one in Star mm -hmm. Trek but 2, or, yeah, whatever, that they never talk about again. Mm -hmm. but it, I mean, there's a lot of different ways they can not use dilithium, but for some reason in Star Trek Discovery, suddenly dilithium is the only thing they can use for warp drive. Yeah. Neat. And it's kind of just like, yeah, I don't know. They, they, I mean, it's it's the need to use post-scarcity as a plot device because they can't do something clever like Voyager. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would and like would have been interesting to take it in a different direction, but mm -hmm. all the dilithium exploding, why not? <laughs> so that, yeah, there's kind of like brings... I can it, give you a lot of reasons why not. But, brings uh, a lot of air of sadness now to this these poor Enterprisians who probably all were, their entire culture was probably wiped out. <laughs> mm -hmm. you know they probably didn't they probably didn't reach um warp capability in those 900 years who knows mm. 
Suddenly, Jenkin Pog says he's been studying his fair share of 23rd century Starfleet ships, and the shuttle is equipped with a Deutronic comm relay. Gwyn says if he steps on the ship and it blows, everybody dies. But Jenkin says if he encounters one more thing he can't fix, he won't be able to call himself an engineer. Mm. He jumps onto the ship, and it teeters, and he secures it with his shooty hand cable thing. Which would be great for like hand jobs. Yeah, where's Rock. the where's the where's the um the rope uh stored when it's when it's to, when the when it's not extended? Where do you store your your ropes before you shoot them? <laughs> in the balls, obviously. Yeah. in the balls. Okay, so they're in the balls, like because I'm wondering how because it just seems like his, his hand is um is uh, artificial. Yeah, like um. But it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room for like that high tensile cable that he has to do stuff. Well, he's got huge balls. Oh, he's got huge balls. Okay, it's yeah, in the balls. It's the, the <laughs> P and hand cable are stored in the balls. Um, so Rock asks, what about his tools? And he points to his head. Uh, Jenkin points to his head and says, they're all up here as he gets to work. Oh crap! I need a wrench. Nope, nope. it's up there. It, oh, it's in my head, and he pulls one out. Of here. So back with Zero, Doctor Boons tells them that the patients are beginning to fade, but Jenkum gets the communicator working and tells them the nature of the toxic runoff. And suddenly, Zero realizes how to synthesize an antidote. They inject it into her uh, and Doll, and they're instantly cured. Jenkum says the cave is collapsing, and Dahl orders Hala Janeway to beam them up, but she can't get a lock because of interference. Uh-oh. She says she can lock them if they get closer, but the distortions will knock out the autopilot and Hala Janeway. Dahl says that they'll have to fly in manually, and wonders how they'll do it, being down three crew members, but then looks at Hura and says, Maybe not. Up on the prostate star, Dahl beams on with James T, Sulu, and Hura, and introduces them to the protostar. Holojanway wonders if he's sure about this, and he says, trust me, you just have to believe, as the people check out the ship. Dahl notices their confusion and says, this is a little new for them, and asks Holojanway if she has something a little more retro. Um, and then she loads a holo program where everyone has a lot of pubic hair. <laughs> the end. Hells yeah. Uh, so she loads a holo console of the twenty third of a twenty third century ship that looks a lot like the original Enterprise's bridge, and the crew immediately gets to work. Dahl orders impulse power to the planet, and uh, they take off. Her uh, saying pulse power. Down in the cave, everything is collapsing, and the crew take shelter in the Galileo which seems maybe not the best idea I don't know suddenly Ensign's distress signal uh, from the ship begins playing saying this is Ensign Garavik of the USS Enterprise this will be my final call to Starfleet hoping you'll come though I've long given up that anybody will hear it here's a funny thing Ho- uh, hope's a funny thing isn't it I tried to do my duty salvaged what I could from the wreck went to save the locals from danger before I fell to my injuries. But then they welcomed me, healed me, gave me hope when I had none. In the end, they were the ones who saved me. 
uh, which is actually really touching. Yeah, it's nice. So the cave crumbles and the Galileo falls towards the plasma pool and its ultimate doom. But right at the very last second, the protostar blasts through and beams up the away team just as the Galileo falls into the plasma, blowing up the cave and uh, making Jenkum Pog come everywhere. <laughs> just icky, sticky, slimy it's, semen. It's the stickiest of the icky. It is the stickiest of the icky. The protostar lands and the villagers are overjoyed. Now we get another captain's log. Captain's log supplemental. People can surprise you sometimes. It seems we met a new chapter of Starfleet after all. Sure, they got a few things wrong, but they got a few things right. Janeway says the rules about second contact are a bit fuzzy, so it's up to them on how they want to evolve. If these Enterprisians can do so much without even a ship to call their own, maybe we can too. If we can't take the ship to Starfleet, we'll find another way. Without the protostar. Rock now enters the cabin, looking for Murph, asking if they're feeling better. But there's a trail of slime on the floor. It's Mur- Le- leaving that snail trail. Oh, hell yeah. Murph is creaming and squirting all <laughs> over. Uh, Murph is on the wall in what appears to be a Murph egg sack, perhaps? Mm. Are we getting baby Murphs? Or, uh, or the Thane. Oh, that John was, yeah. John Carpenter's the thing. I would I would actually love both of them, but I think I speak for everybody when I say baby Murphs are great and a great merchandising opportunity as well. That would be funnier if like also if like um it it's like a spider. There's like like um rock notices like a like a weird bump on her on her oh. back. Oh yeah. Where uh where um Murph usually sits and then like it erupts and a bunch of baby Murphs just come out of <laughs> come out of her out of her Oh, yeah, just like a, yeah, like an alien. Mm-hmm. alien. She's like, well, what's this weird bump that Murph left on me? And then, yeah, it's just like an egg sack implanted under her skin. Who would be the funniest uh, crew member to be impregnated by Murph? Mm. Probably Jinkum Pog, because he'd probably... Oh, yeah, yeah, that'd be really funny. <laughs> he'd, he'd probably just be like, oh, Jinkum Pog doesn't like this! Well, they're coming out of Jinkum Pog's asshole! Ow! It they're, feels like I'm shitting out my brains! They're consuming Jinkum Pog! They're biting his flesh! They, they, they now devour their host! <laughs> they just like, they just then they skeleton. They're eating Jinkum Pog from inside his dick! <laughs> they skeletonize him in like 12 seconds. <laughs> they just like come on, and like they just like. They just like go away, and there's just like his skeleton with like his little robot hand. Just they don't even need the sustenance; they just wanted to eat him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's the end of the episode. What do you think? Yeah, it was good. And, you yeah. know, like you know, I like I kind of kind of the stories where, um, um, you know, um, uh, um, a culture a uh, culture like uh, grossly misinterprets um, another one and how they evolve, and you know, and he's. Grossly misinterpreting culture is uh, exactly how uh, making homemade yogurt has ended up for me every time. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, it's, it's fun, you know, you get to see. It's because I try to make it with my cum instead of milk. That's where you go wrong. That's where I went wrong. Uh, but yeah, like, it's it's fun to see, like, um, you know, how what writers can do with that kind of premise. And, you know, it's been done in, um, in, uh, in, um, Star Trek before, like, you know, Star Trek um, Into Darkness starts off with, like, them inadvertently creating a... Um, 
Oh, with a, the volcano thing. Yeah, a, a primitive culture upset uh, that uses the Enterprise as, as their, um, you know, as a godlike figure. I think also like the um, the one that Voyager episode where um, um, there's that there's that planet that um, it, um, experiences time differently. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, we reviewed that episode way long ago. On oh the- yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good episode, and um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it just shows like how like just the Voyager being always in the sky mm-hmm. kind of just became like this like a uh, this, this uh big cultural thing that they base their whole like lives around. So, and then this is now following that kind of same uh line of thought, you know, and having mm-hmm. this. These people who are now just going to be called the Enterpriseians, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so when they join the global stage, or not, not the global stage, uh, the um, galactic, the galactic stage, stage mm-hmm. they're going to uh, just be called the Enterpriseians and be obsessed with Starfleet. <laughs> well, I mean, they already have a galactic stage that they did a play on in this episode. Remember? Oh yeah, gotcha, gotcha, Ooh, you son of a bitch, got, suck my um, dick. Got, um, what do you think, Britt? I thought it was pretty good. I yeah. uh, it was actually probably my favorite episode of Prodigy so far. Yeah, it was good. Uh, it was really good. I really liked how um, basically they, they used the episode obviously to introduce a lot of TOS concepts to the younger viewers, mm-hmm. or you know make it more of a discussion piece for the younger and older viewers that are watching it together, especially yeah. you know. People watching it with their kids, their kids will be like, "What's this about? What's this about?" And their, mm-hmm. you know, dad or mom will be like, "Well, this is this, this, this." this I can't this. imagine though a kid like wanting to then pick up TOS and sitting through an episode of TOS. Though. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine that. a kid watching TOS like with all like all the fucking ADHD entertainment shoved <laughs> yeah. in their face, like trying to watch something that slow and boring. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah. Yeah, it would be they. They would have a revolt. Yeah, they would not like it. The children would revolt. <laughs> I wouldn't blame them. No. What's up with the youth? Clap, 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 clap. Um. So yeah. Uh. That was our new episode for the week. With that, do you want to get into the Klingon word of the day? Harold's yeah. Today's Klingon word of the day is hum. Hum? Hum. Uh, H-U-M. Mm-hmm. It means sticky or be sticky. Mm-hmm. So my cum, my homemade cum catheter makes me hum. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so that's, uh, that... The the good endo that weed would be that uh, hum icky mm-hmm. hum icky the the stickiest of the ickies hum icky <laughs> hum icky okay well that's the Klingon word of the day and with that would you like to get into some subspace transmissions let's do it subspace transmissions subspace transmissions Hey, Subspace Transmission, it's that part of the show where we go on the internet, see what other people are saying about this episode, maybe get some insights, news, clues, and views, things we would not have thought of ourselves. First, we're going to start off with 
LeftBoysenberry69. Nice. O2 <laughs> says, call me crazy here. My damn Vulcan logic is going into overdrive ever since they said that even contacting Starfleet would be destructive. Why doesn't Way give them the subspace frequency for Starfleet? And, you know, go find another subspace communication device. And here's the crazy part. Send a communication, not from their ship, explaining everything. Don't get me wrong. I actually love the show, but it drives me nuts. No, I mean, that's fair because, yeah, you can you can do it in any number of ways. You could shoot out like a um, a. Uh, uh, you know, something that a doesn't probe. a probe that doesn't necessarily have any technology attached to it, or just like you know, not not exactly like a torpedo. You know, just torpedo with like some some bottled message or something inside yeah. for someone to find. Because chances are, if you if you do like also, mm-hmm. their warp signature is probably uh, uh, traceable and everything else. Like, true. I mean, it is because yeah. like Janeway's ship has already traced their warp signature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, like, uh, like instead of message in a bottle, like they should. Message s- in a bottle. I was gonna say, send them a copy of uh, po- uh, the police's stinging the police's message in a bottle mm-hmm. on, I don't know, probably cassette tape. Yeah, yeah, through space. I think that'll work out just fine. Right? Yeah, just something where it, that doesn't have any any uh, of the technology attached. That although, would... like radiation, space radiation would definitely d- destroy that and like demagnetize it like instantly. Mm-hmm. Oh, they could do a thing like the other day I was driving um, home from work and a guy had a scrolling message um, LED thing on his on the back of his car. I hate that. Yeah, it said, if you're if you can read this, you're following me too close. Get away from me. I have a camera. Like, <laughs> wow, that, that person was insane. He was also driving so recklessly. He was driving like a psychopath. But that being said, they could do something like that on the outside of their ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, to send a message um, <laughs> visually, and so they don't have to uh, risk sending a communication that could ruin ships. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So, uh, next, we have a comment from uh, Sid V eighty one says, "Does anybody find it hilarious that Janeway's all like the Chakotay I know would never destroy a relay station when in fact the relay station was unmanned except for one person? The sole occupant escaped unharmed, and Chakotay, when he first met Janeway, was a Maquis terrorist." I'll be at one of the nicer ones. And him destroying a Federation relay station while letting the survivor escape is exactly something he would do. Uh, I don't he's... think he would destroy a Federation. What would be the purpose? Yeah. Like, what, what, if he what... was still a Maquis, yes, but he's like a Starfleet captain now. Yeah. And he's, like the thing about with, Chakotay... with, a, with, a, with a with an experimental ship mm-hmm. that's like you know with a. With with a warp drive, that's uh, like what would be the point? <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's like he loves the rules. Chakotay loves the yeah. rules, and that's very clear in Voyager. After like season two, he mm-hmm. becomes the ship cop and just like makes it his fucking en- entire mission mm-hmm. to just be a fucking bummer for specifically Paris and uh, Harry Kim. Yeah, he he was definitely a wet blanket. Yeah, he fucking he was a dick man. My people have a saying. I'm a wet blanket and I suck. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and also, as we discussed in our uh, news episode, our Trek news episode, um, maybe not politically um, good. No, maybe politically has bad politics. He is funny though. He is. Like, he I, is... I, 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 I want to hear him do the robot voice in person. Oh, me too. 
Yeah, next time we'll we'll have to keep a track. We'll have to put some sort of like a little like a, a notice on our phone that that pings anytime like he's coming by to. Uh, oh, we we can put. I mean, you on Twitter, you can like uh, fucking set up uh, like um, notifications for specific people. So you should do that hmm. with Robert Beltran. I should, as long as Twitter lasts the next couple of weeks. That's true. I mean, Robert Beltran <laughs> will always be there. Yeah, yeah, but well, who knows? The, the the whole website may just go down, which would oh, be hopefully. which would be awesome. That'd be honestly. Funny, so, yeah. so next we uh, get a um, comment from Praxlin. Says. Uh, Please be slow with me here because I've never watched TOS. Great episode, but if the problem began in the 23rd century regarding the original Enterprise, how close is the protostar to Federation space? At that point, wouldn't they be inside its modern-day territory, considering that most of what the TOS crew explored and mapped out is what is now Federation space? I kind of wish the show would stay a little more in the Delta Quadrant, which I actually kind of agree with. Mm-hmm. Um, so highly unlikely response to this said, uh, up near the edge, but it's basically canon at this point that Starfleet isn't great at checking back in with planets they visit if they aren't Federation members. A second contact would take get decades to happen, and Lower Decks established that a lot of the TOS planets have it the worst. Yeah. Which is actually true. And they have kind of made that clear. And it's something I think they should like talk about more that'd be interesting to hear mm-hmm. them talk about at some point maybe in picard or something is like how the federation has failed so many of the planets that it's first contacted or something like that i that mean be... that could be like the the um the motivation between behind amanda Plummer's character it could be yeah like yeah. they could have i mean because it is interesting like because the first contact obviously with um in prodigy uh with uh the uh, diviners people and gwyn's people mm-hmm obviously like push them to a civil war yeah what because because specifically like people half of the people wanted to like go into the federation and the other half didn't yeah uh, and so like would you mm-hmm. join the federation if you were a planet man yeah i think so why i want a cool cause i want a cool outfit that makes sense yeah. and i want to go in space yeah i mean but but if they allow you to join you can already go into space you're a warp true warp yeah but why not it seems fun yeah, but they also seem like the military. Nah. Space Navy. They are a space and exploration. Yeah, tell yourself that. But you've you've seen like how Captain Kirk operates. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the that's the big problem with this. Yeah, like like yeah, second second contact would be an option for these people, but it do, it seems like uh Kirk made no record of it at all. Exactly. So, well, yeah. I mean, well, that's because he didn't know that his like where his person was, which was like, or he just, it was, he, he how, do you, how do you lose track of someone like that? Yeah. I don't, or, I don't understand. Like, I just don't get it. <laughs> well, he did. Yeah. He did fuck up pretty epically. So, uh, maybe he was just like, pretend it never happened. They'll never find this thing. And by the time they do, I'll be dead. And guess what? He, yes. he was dead. Cause Malcolm McDowell killed. Him yes. In Star Trek generations. Malcolm- thank, thank you. Malcolm McDowell. Thank you. Thank you for blasting him on that steel bridge and having it collapse on top of him. Yeah. I when you blasted him on that steel bridge, I blasted <laughs> all over my bed. <laughs> so uh next we got a comment from Tree Fox. Uh says <clears throat> So even if the weapon is infecting other ships, it seems like they could use the industrial replicator to fabricate a shuttle and use that to send a distress signal. Or is every piece of tech from the protostar tainted? Which is actually an interesting idea. 
but you don't but when it replicates it could also like put part of the um the malicious code in there yeah so yeah uh in response uh crispy jimbo's great name says Given the nature of infecting Starfleet systems, it wouldn't be a wise wager to rely on the systems housing it to make something with a clean code. And Das Ganon says, I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be drop one of them off. Gwyn probably to work that family angle more and have them explain to actual Janeway in person. Or they teased it here that they get rid of the protostar altogether and go in that way or a secret third option involving whatever space moth murph turns into which i think mm. is an interesting idea like if because murph is already indestructible right can probably exist in space in their own right true and it'd be interesting if like they were able to like somehow make like take space flight or that they, uh, people yeah. can, they can go inside of murph and use murph as a space shuttle I gotta pause real quick to masturbate because I've got I've got this <laughs> vor fetish, and we know about the Star Trek fetish. So yes, I mean yes. I've this is too much for <laughs> oh, me. Oh God! I mean I've just awakened I feel like, something. I, I feel you. like I just did like three lines of blue chew, man. <laughs> the sedanophil mixed with the tadalophil and the new remuminum. And you didn't eat it; you just snorted it right up. Yeah, snorted it right up my butthole. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I sh- I should try boofing. That'd be fun to boof some whatever. I have to Dallas to downfall. Yeah, I bet that would go crazy. No, that'd actually probably like give me a heart attack, right? Because it's like a basically a heart medication. It just like increases your blood pressure. Yeah, gets your dick hard as a rock. Your (laughs) blood's like your (laughs) veins are all like, God damn it! Oh fuck! I want to burst. So next we got another comment from Sid V eighty one says. So Kirk feels guilt-ridden over falling to save Garrix. Wait, I'm going to restart this. So Kirk feels guilt-ridden over failing to save Garovic's dad from the cloud creature, but doesn't apparently even bother finding out what happened to the younger Garovic later on. Maybe Khan was onto something about that Kirk guy. Yeah. So with a few computer commands, they can change the bridge of the Protostar into a TOS bridge, can they put this functionality into Strange New Worlds so that TOS purists can stop complaining about how the Enterprise looks different? Which is an interesting idea. It would be interesting mm. for them to actually, like, go back and, like, you know, change the Enterprise. To In be, Strange New Worlds? Yeah, to be like the TOS bridge. That'd be kind of mm. funny. Yeah, oh, yeah. I like the way it looks, though. That yeah, looks cool. Yeah. I don't mind how it looks. Yeah, it, it, it uh... Yeah, it's a little um, less less garish and like and less noticeable than when in Discovery, when you know Discovery is a prequel to TOS, and, and it look and everything looks ridiculously um, futuristic in comparison. Mm. Yeah, right. Uh, to everything on TOS, and I feel like Strange New Worlds kind of reached that balance where it's like kind of updated, mm-hmm. but doesn't look like out of the realm of possibility, and you right. know, and, but yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, next, we have a comment from Donut Eater One One One. Says, uh, "Kobayashi was one of my favorites, so I was really excited for another Aaron Waltke episode, and it definitely lived up to my high hopes. To be honest, I don't even really remember the specific episode this one was referencing. That doesn't even matter. 
For one thing, the ideas themselves are so well woven into this episode's story that I was able to pick up on the parts that really mattered. And even beyond that, there was enough general nostalgia with the alien personalities that I couldn't help smiling at. The impersonations of the original crew were all so good, especially the one doing the exaggerated Kirk impression. Edit. That was T. Bradley Baker doing the Kirk impression. Damn, he's good. He's also the voice of Murph. Also the voice of Murph. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is, Aaron Walkie himself kind of paved the way for even the newcomers to possibly uh, get some of the hero references given Spock or her and Scotty's appearances in Kobayashi. Don't forget Odo, you son of a bitch. Bastard. You motherfucker. And tonally, it hits a lot of the same great notes from Kobayashi without feeling too similar. The great humor, again with the alien impersonations, leading to nice character growth at a thematic exploration of what it means to be in Starfleet. First as a captain in Kobayashi, and now in general. Honestly, everyone involved in creating the show should be proud of their work. They're doing a fantastic job of bringing the ideas of Star Trek to a new audience while still appealing to older fans. But with these two episodes, Aaron Waltke is quickly becoming one of my favorites. In the words of Dahl, you speak my language. You speak in my language. You look like a man. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with uh, pretty much all that. Um, it's, I mean, interesting tying like the themes of Kobayashi to this one. It's mm-hmm. uh, always interesting to see uh, uh, someone someone's work compared to their other work. Mm-hmm. I generally agree with all that. Uh, good episode, Aaron Waltke. Good job with both of those episodes. I thought they were both very good episodes in the series. Yeah? Yeah. Next, we have a uh, comment from Erica Bloodaxe. Erica says, This episode is based on a DS9 proposal for the 30th anniversary of Star Trek in 1996, which ultimately became Trials and Tribulations, meaning this story took 26 years from proposal to implementation. When originally proposed, it was going to be set on the planet from a piece of the action, but decided to set it on a new planet, apparently. Which is true. Yeah. I saw that somewhere else which is pretty pretty interesting hmm. all right uh we are gonna... it is from oh wait it says two days ago i'm like damn mm-hmm. wow. yeah. so time works like that sometimes all right we're gonna close it out uh on our last comment here from smilo don 48 48 says um god what, what does he sound like what kind of person is mm. smilo don Oh, Smilo Don? He's Italian. Oh, I was thinking he sounds like a minion. No, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, James T. doing absolutely hammy Shatner impersonation is one of the best moments of... I don't know what I'm doing anymore. It's like a German-Russian-Italian man. Mm-hmm. It's generally white. Too white. Okay, so James T. <laughs> too is white for me. Hell yeah. James T. doing an absolutely hammy Shatner impersonation is easily one of the best moments of the show. It works within the show as well as on a meta level within all the Shatner-isms. Sulu, Boons, and Sprock were also great. The protostar leaving an erupting volcano basically makes this like the second visual reference to Into Darkness during Season 1B. Uh, I don't... What would the first one be? I don't know. Into Darkness, Season 1B. During Season 1B. Um, There's only the movie. No, 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 no. This is the first 
Second visual reference to Star Trek Into Darkness during Prodigy season. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They're uh, doing a great job of visually pulling together a lot of older stuff, but fleshing out their own universe, too. It was nice to have the team split up Gwen uh, and Gwen lead a bit, too. I love how the roles of the team are being defined. Rock is science. Jankum is engineering. Zero is medical. Doll is command. Gwen is comms. Is that right? Gwen is comms? I guess. Murph is spot slash parthos slash grudge. I think more spot than anything. Mm. <coughs> oh, and mentioning second contact. Hell yeah. Lower decks matches Okana to align with Prodigy. And now Prodigy throws in a second contact to add some more connective tissue. Hmm. Neato. Neato completo. Yeah. Uh, so thanks, Smilodon, for that. Um, man, Reddit sucks. We should burn that motherfucker down, right? Yeah, all we got left is uh is uh Reddit. You know, eventually, like uh, Twitter will go to the elephant's graveyard. Yeah, I mean, we'll still have Facebook. I mean, no, I guess like Meta will crash that eventually. Yeah, eventually it'll be like a, a fucking Mad Max wasteland of just like Google Teams. Mm. And um, yeah, and, and Facebook owns Instagram, so that's gone. Again. Oh yeah, oh yeah, shit. What am I? What are we gonna do? We'll all, we'll have to be on Mastodon, I guess. Oh no. All right. Well, that's uh, that's the end of uh, subspace transmissions, which means it's near the end of our show. But before mm. we leave, let's uh, let's say goodbye to uh, some folks who gave the ultimate sacrifice. I'm for a retro obituary. Well, the awaiting was in a pinch. And somebody had to die. But thanks a lot. Time to beam up to that big red shirt in the sky. Today we remember two unnamed presumable Starfleet crewmen who served aboard the Enterprise A under Captain James T. Kirk. The two unnamed crewmen who were also the assassins of Klingon Chancellor Gorkon succumbed to phaser fire, presumably by an agent attached to the assassination, as the number one rule of assassination is to kill the assassins. So rest in peace among the stars, unnamed crewmen, and thanks for your... You know, no. No, you fucked up, unnamed crewmen. You fucked up bad, you fucking idiots. Mm -hmm. You assassinated Klingon Chancellor Gorkon. You don't deserve this red show... Red shirt? Red shit obituary. How Ooh, about that? Ooh, they got a red shit. That's what you get, you fucking idiots. Good riddance to bad trash. Got him. Hell yeah. And I guess uh, that's about the end of the show. Hey, uh, if people want to reach you online, where can they reach you, Mr. Pat? At Potomac Bomb on Instagram. Hoopy doopy doopy. And uh, we're on Reddit. We've got our own subreddit. It's mm. uh, very well trafficked, uh, like yeah. uh, the children in your house. <laughs> uh, well, they're no longer in the house. <laughs> oh, because well, they're well trafficked. <laughs> <laughs> you to stay one step ahead of those police. I um, can't keep them on hand. <laughs> they're selling my hard cakes. <laughs> Um, really, they should say, like, hotcakes are selling like children. <laughs> wow. Hotcakes <laughs> are selling like uh, my foster children. Uh, <laughs> good time. So um, uh, you can, uh, yeah, go to uh, any social media, basically. Look up Soy Trek. Um, you'll see a picture of my big old dick on there. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Dick Nixon. <sighs> 
That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it doesn't make, se- doesn't make sense why you put that as the banner for all the different social media. <laughs> it really doesn't. It has <laughs> nothing to do with our brand. But you know what? Uh, it, it makes for this one joke in this one podcast. That, mm-hmm. uh, apparently, people don't really listen to our Prodigy podcast compared to our other ones. So mm. if you're listening, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We love you. We do love you. And you know what? Captain's Log, supplemental. Well, that's all. Looks like it's time for us to warp away. Be well, travel safe, and as Ferengi rule of acquisition number 47 says, never trust a man wearing a better suit than your own. Mm. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for trekking with the soy boys, girls, and other worldly beans. Hang Hang dong and shocker. Soy, 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 soy,